0: All right, welcome everyone. Good afternoon, or good morning, I guess depending on where you are in the world. My name is Hannah Shane, and I'm the Director of Marketing here at Cloud Elements, and it's my privilege to be your host for today's talk show. First of all, thank you for joining. I know that we have busy schedules, and we appreciate you carving out some time today to spend with us. The intent of today's talk show is to introduce you to two of the world's leaders in finance API integrations, Intuit and so, regardless of whether or not you are familiar with cloud elements, we do API integrations, by the way, we hope to provide you with some valuable tips and tricks from two of my friends in the finance realm. Before we jump in, um, the theme of the talk show today is AMA, which means ask me anything. So, feel free to submit your questions in the GoToWebinar console in the questions box, and we'll do our best to answer any and all questions throughout the event. If we're not able to, we'll certainly email answers to your questions as we receive them. One quick side note, this is our only slide for the day. So the purpose is to really just provide a visual for you to see who's speaking on the line and we'll intentionally be using the recording as an audio-only podcast after the event. Feel free to just listen from here on out. So with that, I'd like to introduce today's speakers. First up is David Leary. He's the senior developer evangelist at Intuit QuickBooks. And David, he's a small business ecosystem evangelist at Intuit and an innovative force in the small business accounting world. His business sense, vast technical knowledge, and domain expertise has helped bridge the gap between developers, small business owners, and accountants. In 2015, David was named by Accounting Today as one to watch in their top 100 most influential people issue. Thanks for joining us today, David.
1: Thanks for having me, Hannah.
0: Also, we have Andy Murphy, director of product at FieldAware. Andy oversees all product management at FieldAware. He started with FieldAware soon after the company was founded back in 2011. Previously, Andy worked as, for a field service company and managed a service division that focused on sub- sub-metering and billing. Having spent almost 10 years in field service space, Andy has hands-on experience with the industry and the software companies used to operate. Thanks for joining us, Andy.
2: Thank you, Hannah.
0: All right. So let's just jump right in. Um, Can you first, uh, Andy, why don't we start with you? Just give me a little bit of background on how you got to where you're at today.
2: Um, Sure. So, Field growth has been fairly rapid. Um, And so starting off in a technical sales role, um, we've moved up. um, I've I've moved up into a product role and help oversee really what goes into the product, uh, how the workflows happen, um, basically all the way through the UI UX experience of our web and mobile applications, and a very recent, over the last two years, big project we've been pushing for, is interconnectability between, you know, multiple programs. So we're finding a lot of people in the industry have CRMs, ERPs, accounting systems, um, any other kind of software solution and they want to share data back and forth. So we've taken on this um, this project to really find the best way to connect data from cloud systems and into uh, other on-prem systems using um Field APIs which we've built um, you know, and these middleware air um solutions like Cloud Elements.
0: Awesome. And then, you know, David, can you give us a little bit of background about how you got to where you're at today?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been into it about 20 years. I actually started out doing tech support for our DOS products, so QuickBooks DOS. So I watched that transition to go from like DOS to Windows and then through the QuickBooks Windows side. I mean, I, it came up through tech support. I got into product quality assurance, product development, product management. I've done some marketing, a little bit of everything, which is actually why I, you know, I've I've talked to accountants and small business owners and developers. And now this like latest change, right, which is really the change from desktop to cloud, right? And with cloud uh, came this world of APIs and uh, apps and marketplaces, and that's really where my role is now. Is I'm kind of focused on that that full ecosystem of all the pieces working together.
0: Thanks. Nice. So uh, Andy, just to jump back to you, I know that some of us on the line, we might not all be familiar with what FieldAware does. Can you just give me a quick background on what, what FieldAware does?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. So FieldAware is a field service management uh, tool. Um, so the market you know, is, is kind of claiming it as an FSM, field service management. We take anybody's work order processing and digitize that. The um, most common example would be some plumber, electrician, HVAC technician that is doing jobs out of the office um, They needs to be dispatched to a location, record his work, and send that data back into the office. We digitize that. So we have it in a cloud-based um, solution, so you access it just through a web browser, and then we have native phone applications that the technicians use that are streamlined and maintained just for those technicians' purposes. Uh, where they get the job that they need, they fill in their information, hit complete, and the back office is instantly updated with them. They can process uh, for invoicing or you know, whatever other workflows they've got behind the scenes.
0: And as you describe, you know, some of the different aspects of um, field service, what naturally comes to mind for me is nowhere near APIs. So I'm kind of curious to hear from your opinion, you know, why has the field aware API uh, been so valuable to your business?
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. So, yeah, I mean, field service definitely used to be, you know, know, I'm in a a big truck, I've got my clipboard and pencil, someone gave me my route for the day, and I'm just, you know, going one job at a time. Uh, but really, w- the industry is going through kind of an overhaul and going much more digital. Um, and it's probably the fastest-moving industry or sector going digital at the moment. You look at all the top-tier companies: Microsoft, Amazon. Um, yeah, all of, all of those big shots are, are investing in the field service space um, because they know that's where the data is. It's, it's I think it's a nine billion dollar market. Um, so really, what we're seeing is people are trying to optimize their workforce. Uh, Right now, the technician is the most valuable resource, and they're actually uh, dwindling because you have a lot of people retiring. So how do we get young, relatively inexperienced workers to have the best information, first-time fix, um, and be as efficient as possible so we can get as many jobs and as many customers back up and running, fixed, installed, whatever whatever the project is, done as quickly as possible? And that reduces a lot of costs, but also increases revenue um, pretty dramatically when when done from a paper system to you know to an automated system.
0: And David, you know I'm sure that a lot of the, the average business users that are using QuickBooks are not quite familiar with um, the QuickBooks API. So I'm curious, from your opinion, what, why is the QuickBooks API so so strategic and valuable to your business?
1: So I think it uh, really builds off of what Andy was saying. Like, so field service is just this amazingly uh, growing fast business model that's just being changed by cloud, right? Everybody wants to be connected. They're, getting, they're moving away from that pen and paper and pencil, right? And so we're seeing that not just in field service. We're seeing that with law firms and breweries. I mean, you name the industry or the niche, and we're seeing that take place. So from an Intuit perspective with QuickBooks, we kind of have a a choice to make right we could try to build everything which we kind of try to do in the desktop world but right? would have 800 features a year get added to a product and we could never add enough fast enough so really with QuickBooks Online we had to reinvent the way we we're doing things and QuickBooks Online is more of a platform so the API's are enabling developers to build the right solutions. so Andy could build field aware for field service companies and then that can send the accounting data to QuickBooks through the API so the API is kind of the plumbing or the
2: uh, the grease between the two. Yeah, from a from a field aware standpoint, how we see APIs is is a way to interface with data. So on our side, you've got uh, the web app where you can input, change, and manipulate data. You've got the mobiles where you can input, change, and manipulate. You kind of got those two interfaces, and then the third one would be the API, and that allows computers to go in, change, and manipulate data based on external. Um, you know additional systems that fit the company's workflows and the same thing for QuickBooks
1: yeah and I think if I look at end users right even 20 years ago I think the concept of API's they mentally understand every time they're they're like why am I typing the same customer name and phone number into App A and into QuickBooks that in their mind they always knew it should just get there automatically Right, they didn't know the they didn't know it was called an API, but in their mind, they just expect it to happen. So now that we have this world of open APIs, that magic that customers have always expected is finally happening.
0: That's a good lead into my next question for you, Andy. Um, how do you go about letting or you know deciding for your product or your application which applications you should offer as pre-built integrations within your within your app versus letting other developers write directly to your API? versus, you know, pointing them to an externalized integration service where they can go and set up and configure the integrations
2: on there. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it's, there's a lot of layers to this, but but basically there's, there's two main functions. One is a strategic way or a strategic partner we want to work with. Um, you know, so whether it's from uh, from a sales angle, you know, we have a lot in common so we can share businesses. It makes sense for us to work with a business that either has a big gap, they don't offer a field service solution, um, you know, or it's a gap on our side. Um, you know, We just don't have that feature and it fills in nicely. Um, so that, that would be one, it's a strategic kind of, um, I'd say proactive on FieldAware to go out and find it. Uh, the second would be customer demand. So QuickBooks, as we know, is an extremely popular accounting tool. And I would say 70 to 80% of our customers, even in a mid-market sense, are using QuickBooks. Um, so you know, while we might not be sharing customers directly with QuickBooks from a, from a business level, we're getting so much business just because people are using QuickBooks. Um, so there was a large demand that we went out and, and did that for. And since there was that large of a demand, we wanted to build it for ourselves so we could make sure it was you know it was a st- it was a standard product it was stable well built uh, we could maintain it and, and also you know manage any updates from quickbooks or Fieldware sign um going to an external integration service we do definitely have those um, mainly around popularity. So if it's just not something that, that FieldAware either has resources or time to develop to, we, we are a company with limited resources, so there is always that potential. Um, you know, we might, we might push somebody in a different direction. Or if it's just not something, FieldAware will ever want to reuse or regain. Maybe it's a specialized on-site software that someone built for themselves. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give them some resources outside of FieldWare to kind of help them. But but they all will use FieldWare's API. Um, it's just kind of how is that middle, the middleware written to, to best benefit them.
0: Okay, yeah, so I think that kind of sets up two different like, interesting themes for us for this talk show. Um, and I'd like to first jump into writing directly to APIs as I know that's a, a personal passion for you, uh, David. So talk to me a little bit about how you help us QuickBooks with driving adoption for APIs. Um, sometimes I like to reference field of dreams model here where you can't just build it and assume they'll come. Uh, there's got to be some effort behind driving adoption for your API. So what ideas do you have, David? Yeah, I think if you're if you
1: you have a, a product and you're trying to build APIs, you obviously have to get people to use them. Right? Sometimes it's, it's a given that customers are demanding it. Hey, I want to see an integration to QuickBooks, right, and the, you're going to hear it from the customers or their customers can demand it. But other times, that you, if you have your APIs, you, you have to uh, kind of sell the dream, right? Like, hey, if you integrate, you're going to solve your customers' problems better. You're going to solve our customers' problems better. Um, we've seen a lot of data with QuickBooks If somebody integrates and adds an app, Let's say they add FieldAware, connect that to QuickBooks. They stay a customer of FieldAware and QuickBooks longer. So sometimes if you have an API, you also have to kind of make those business cases to developers, right? So they see why they should integrate with your API versus somebody else's API.
0: Maybe more specifically, what's some of the support that you offer to other developers when they're trying to learn about the QuickBooks API?
1: Yeah, so I think that's important. You can't just create an API and just throw it out there. So you have to have documentation. So on our developer site, developer.do.com, we have all, everything fully documented. We offer a sandbox for developers. We offer an API Explorer for developers. We do um, weekly hangouts for developers. We, um, we'll do hangouts that get recorded on YouTube, so we have videos out there. Um, we also do in person, for example. We've done a couple of mini um, roadshow type events. Uh, where people can come in and just get help with the reintegration. We've also had bigger events like QuickBooks Connect in the fall, in October, where developers can come in and they can get trained on uh, new features and new functionalities of the API as well as do an open office hour type situation. So you have to fully support it across the board, um, including tickets and forums, etc. But you just can't have an API that you don't build a support strategy around. Andy, is there anything you would
0: like to add on in terms of how to best
2: support developers and trying to learn about the FieldAware API? Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do think it's a challenge. Um, lots of different companies go about it different ways, um, and QuickBooks definitely does a good job. Um, you know, sometimes all those resources just aren't available, though. Um, so things you know that, that FieldAware has done is we've created a really detailed catalog of our API. It's, it's a website. It's basically our API docs. Um, and you know we've got really rich examples um, w- along with code that kind of matched alongside of it. Something that we're, we feel we're looking into is how do we even in our docs go a step further and allow you to actually test within the docs itself. So while you see the code examples, you know, writing code next to that. But then also doing things, um, I think like David mentioned, where it's allowing developers to just ask questions to engineers uh, that can help them. Um, and that's a big. Having that barrier removed allows a lot more data transfer to happen externally out of your company, so people can leverage the APIs that have been written and, and really get full potential out of them.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree, Andy. It's like it's very very hard. Like building an it seems so easy. Like hey, we're going to build an API and have an app store. And it, on paper, it's so easy, but it is a lot of work. I mean, we've been yeah. on a we've been on a good six seven year journey, and there's a lot of work. But we've taken wrong turns, you know. I mean, I'm sure everybody has, but it's it's tough, tough, tough. Yeah, it's not easy for sure.
0: David, I know you and I were talking earlier about how um, using an, a repository like GitHub to support you know where you're going to offer some developer support is a good place to go because that's you know that's where the audience is at. Um you kind of just go to where your crowds are at to make sure that you're doing all the right promotion. Um, so Andy, I'd be curious to hear from you, you know, which API repositories do you recommend for financial services or for the FinTech developers? Do you use Swagger or GitHub or some sort of combination of
2: the, of the lot? Yeah, you know, I mean, so, 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 so does have its own stack development, um, you know, so we kind of have our, our ways that we've found successful within the stack. Uh, within stack development itself and so we have brought some of that workflow and processes into what we're calling our solutions team but it's really our API developers and integration kind of of people Um, and so we use a lot of GitHub we use Jira to track issues roadmap backlog um, kind of to do items Um, we share repositories on, on GitHub and track everything there for branch controls and stuff um, so that's what we use. I, I'm not going to stand here and argue that that's the best tool. I'm saying it's worked for FieldAware and worked for us. We've tried other other solutions and this is the one that keeps coming back to. Um, I'm not sure if that really changes whether you're looking at financial services or all. I'm, I, our, our standard is really what works best for developers coding um, and writing code. And you know, So GitHub uh, and JIRA seem to be good solutions I know that's not what Cloud Elements uses, though, for even their own repositories. Um, so it, it just kind of depends on what, what works best for the people you have that you're working with.
0: Yeah, and I know just even kind of watching how our product team has evolved over the years, it's a lot of, like, iterate and move from there, you know. So if that's not working, then what are we hearing back from our, our user base, and how can we continue to to refine and make the experience better?
1: Yeah. And, and I think if your API, right, that, that entity or that call in your API provides value, right, a developer will, they might have a preference to use a certain repository or a certain uh, SDK, but they'll adapt if the value is there, right. Like, that, that, that kind of shows, hey, that API call that I'm offering up to somebody, people are willing to jump through hoops to use it, it shows the value in that API. Um, so the, the, it, it's kind of important to make sure you, when you do offer up your APIs, you're offering up the APIs people actually will find useful. and that's kind of a, a kind of a easy way to test whether or not your API is valuable because if people aren't using it, they're not going to jump through the hoops. like you don't necessarily have to have it in the perfect situation. but if it's good, people will still figure out they'll, they'll adapt to around your API and not vice versa. Yeah I mean with that said, we try to try to get everywhere though, right You guys constantly want to make it easier for developers.
2: And I think to prove David's point there, neither FieldAware or QuickBooks has webhooks. You know, yeah. so, so we're... we're uh, <laughs> Wait, I sorry. think so when, yeah. we
1: talked, when we met, I'm like, well, what, eight weeks ago to prepare for this, we've now yeah. launched webhooks. We finally have oh, webhooks web book. for QuickBooks. API. So there you
2: go. So, but even before then, with FieldAware's integration to, to uh, QuickBooks, we were able to do everything we needed without them. You know, so uh, with them, it's great, but if you're building your own APIs, you don't have to build the full Cadillac. You can start with that, you know, with a smaller Ford, even, you know, even a, you know uh, like a Fiesta version. Um, as long as it gets somebody into your data, allows them to find what they need, extract it, or, or put back what they want, um, that's a good enough start. Then you can always work on building. I mean, because how long has, has the QuickBooks API been around with that webhooks? So and it's been very successful. You know, so Webhooks will, I'll be using them now that I know they're around. But, you know, so we'll um, have to go full out, you know, if you're just starting.
0: Before we kind of move past this concept of writing directly to your APIs, David, can you leave us just with one um, kind of interesting example of how somebody has, you know, wrote directly to the QuickBooks API? What were some of the... uh, you know, attributes or things that they use. Maybe webhooks is a good example, just to give us a good idea of you know visualizing what that integration looked like.
1: Hey. Webhooks obviously is new, and, and there's a lot of excitement around that. Um, it really is going to help with volume and API calls, we've had a lot of developers like making calls every five minutes, right? Now they can just uh, basically subscribe to, hey, did this invoice get paid? And then we'll let them know when it's paid, and their app doesn't have to constantly ping. But I think um, really we're, the really exciting stuff is coming up in the future with Internet of Things, smart devices, machine learning, bots. I think that's going to be pretty interesting. I've seen some people at one of our hackathons do like a Slack integration, right, with the QuickBooks Online API. But I think right now, cur- like in market ones, the more interesting ones is how developers are starting to write to each other. So they're just not writing to QuickBooks, right? You're so you could take a T sheets. T-Sheets can send the time data to QuickBooks and a customer can use QuickBooks to run their payroll. Or T-Sheets could send the time data to Gusto, then Gusto, the customer uses Gusto to run the payroll, but then Gusto sends the paycheck data into QuickBooks online. So you're seeing kind of this triangulation between apps to where they're all staying in sync with each other. So it's not just a one-way highway, but the, the APIs are being used across the board to move that data and keep multiple apps in sync. And ultimately, the customers get what they want, which is the best use case they get to choose the products and add-ons that they want.
0: All right, let's shift focus a little bit to the consumption side of APIs. Um, so you know, where's a good starting point, Andy, when you're considering how to make your API more consumable for the non-technical user?
2: Making our APIs more consumable for a lesser technical person. Um, so that's challenging because APIs really require someone that knows what they're doing to to some point. Um, but at the same time, a- APIs don't have to be over complex. Um, so our API um, is a RESTful JSON. It's a RESTful API with JSON payloads, uh, and really, as long as you can, as long as you're pretty proficient on a computer, anybody can really read a JSON payload. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The data that comes out of them. Um, things we're doing to make our API more consumable would be, you know, allowing better parameters. So if I'm looking for a customer, allowing allowing the search to happen easier um, or or more comprehensive. So instead of just searching on the name, search on all the fields, custom fields, email fields, um, company name fields, kind of everything. Um, so that's some of the work Fieldware is doing. We're also um, you know, allowing more data to come back. So and if I'm calling a customer object, um, the customer object will have associated, uh, will be associated with locations and context, and allowing some of that data to come back with just a, a, a customer poll by default, even though it might not be hosted at the same area. So as long as it's just making the API return data that, that might not be technically in the right spot but for the user I know what the is always going to be looking for this so just returning that is kind of more of a default value.
0: And so Andy just to also kind of expand on you know what you make that experience look like for the end user um, what kind of work has been done to you know like almost overlay a UI, UI on top of that API that way you know your field service agents that are out out on the tr- truck, and they're just trying to connect their invoice from FieldAware to QuickBooks. How how does that experience look like, and what what are they what are they using as the API? But maybe they don't know.
2: Uh, yeah. So so from a field service with the mobiles, really the mobiles, the way FieldAware is architected, the mobiles go right into our web app component. So our web app really is a single source of communication, even for the the mobiles, the web, and the APIs. And what that does is it allows somebody to really build the integrations into an API. So we've got a customer that um, they will schedule a job through the API, the API creates the job, and dispatches it down to a a guy in the field without, so no human interaction there in fieldware The guy on the mobile will receive the job, so, and that's really an API generated automated job. He'll go in, edit, take pictures, modify the notes, put in his time, and when he's done, it sends into FieldAware, and then through the API again, um, there's something that kind of claws through the data, finds a completed job, and syncs that back into the customer's Oracle system. So, FieldAware on the web component is never touched. The API creates jobs, the mobile updates the job data, and then the API picks up once it's done or once it's hit a certain trigger and feeds all that data back into Oracle all automatically. So the mobile user, you know, really was fed automated data entirely and then everything's updated back into that Oracle ERP accounting system.
0: So David, is there any you know trends that we can look forward to on the QuickBooks side um, for making the QuickBooks APIs more consumable?
1: I mean, I I think right now, like, we're a RESTful API, we use JSON, I think from a a true developer, like a developer, right, can consume our APIs. They're pretty consumable, I think, from a developer standpoint. Somebody like Andy can consume them, right? But I've always had this thought that there's like this concept of the the non-developer developer out there. And so this would be like the person that really knows Salesforce and they can just set all the preferences and they can tweak Salesforce and they can build kind of an app within Salesforce, right? Or we had a product at one time called Quickbase. And I, so what we're seeing is accountants. So there's accountants that really maybe they're, they have an engineer brain, right? But they don't have the actual true coding skills. And so you're seeing them build on other platforms so they're able to use Zapier and do different zaps and, and move things around from the API of QuickBooks even though they're not touching the API directly, they're consuming it, right, in a custom type of a fashion and moving data from via Zapier to other apps they may want. Or they'll use an app like Method CRM, which is super, super, super deep integrations with QuickBooks Online, and then but it's super customizable. So they, an accountant can build like this really customized solution for their end user. And ultimately, they're making API calls to QBO, QuickBooks Online, and they're, but they're not actually writing the code to do it. And I think that's that. That the easier we make, the easier it is for developers to true developers to integrate with our APIs. The easier it will be for end consumers to or end users, these quote unquote non-developer developers, to consume it. Because I think these apps like Zapier and Method CRM, et cetera, will keep showing up on the market more and more.
0: And what are some of uh, the new integrations or existing integrations that your customers are asking for uh, and expecting to be able to connect FieldAware to?
2: Yeah, so there, there's a big, I'd say, shift in market moving to the cloud. Um, and, and, you know, a good example of that is, is SAP's recent, recent purchase of NetSuite. So SAP is this big, massive premise-based, you know, ERP, do-everything solution. And I just bought one of the largest ERP 100% cloud companies. Um, so it, 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 our our world is is we love to stay in the cloud, and we're seeing more and more things being moved to cloud. QuickBooks is a great example. I mean, the QuickBooks was always a big desktop program, and, and now they're offering and and really driving the cloud um, the cloud platform that they've built. SAP is doing the same thing. Uh, Oracle is doing the same thing. Microsoft is slowly closing, you know, like Great Plains, which was one of their old on-prem solutions. Forever, they're pushing for the AX and the dynamic stuff, all which is mostly now in the cloud. So we're seeing a ton of migration of old-prem solutions pushing into the cloud. Um, and with the cloud the APIs, at least that are being written today, are very easy to integrate with. Um, a lot of them are RESTful no longer dealing with soap and .NET stuff. Um, a lot of it's been normalized as they're rewriting these. Uh, you know, a lot of these new systems.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'd tack onto that too. I, from just based on feedback from developers, like you, I've had, we have had developers that have integrations with QuickBooks Desktop through and uh, through the web connector, and or they build their own uploader. There's they have to and you have to install things to the desktop computer. Versus their integration with QuickBooks Online and they're like, it's easier to build for the API, it's quicker to integrate, I have less tech support costs because I don't have to maintain all this other code on the actual end user's machine. So just across the board, as this is moving to cloud, it's just cheaper and more efficient for the developers. But not just there, I'm seeing on the accountants, accountants that get all their clients on cloud. It's cheaper and more efficient for the accountants, they can run their practice more efficiently. Their accounting practice, so yeah, the shift is happening very, very rapidly, um, and it, it's it's really beneficial to the developers and accountants, and ultimately the small business owners. They they may not see it across right away, as far as like they process it in the same way. I think a, a developer will, um, or the accountant will, but it's it's the same. They're they're getting the benefit from this also. With all this conversation
0: of moving, uh, you know, more, more and more finance applications to the cloud, you know, what's running through my head is, you know, finance has a lot of personal private data and that now that's all in the cloud and it's, you know, it's open for security issues and I don't want to dig into that rabbit hole of talking about, you know, API security, but David, I am curious to hear, you know, where, what's your standard opinion in supporting an open API to external developers? Sure.
1: To um, so just touch on the security, I know I have a blog post, and I'll find the link for that. Uh, but we have a blog post that's really geared off of our observations that we've, we put every app through a security review. So we've done uh, th- hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these security reviews on small business SaaS apps that integrate with QuickBooks Online. And we do have a blog post. I just, I'll get you the URL so you can get it out to the listeners or put it in the show notes, um, which is like the top five mistakes, security holes that developers make. And if people with that blog post will know to get those closed up. Um, in regards to having a oh, talk about having an open API versus a closed API, right? right.
0: Yeah. What's what's your opinion about
1: that? I, I am all about open API. Like people don't have people are developers are busy, right? If they want to go integrate with your app and they get to your website and you a charge them, they're just going to bail and try to go find a different solution, right? Or if the, you make them fill out a contact us form, they don't have access to your APIs, like a true open API, they can go to the site, they can create an account, they get a, they get their development keys, they look at your documentation, and they can just start integrating, right? It just keeps that developer productive, and if you can keep developers productive, developers are happy, and then more developers will use your API. So I'm, I'm definitely on the board of the, the full-blown open API. But with that said, sometimes it's too much volume. Right? Like you're, you, you could get a lot of people coming in to your API faster than maybe you can handle.
0: I think you kind of touched on an interesting concept that, you know, some people have the opinion that they're, having an API, there's an opportunity to monetize that API. So it sounds like you're, you're kind of standing on the opposite end of that spectrum where, you know, you don't need to be charging for, for your API. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, so we actually tried to charge for API directly um, at one time and it was kind of on the expensive side and it was difficult for newer developers, right? It it really was hitting them a little hard. Um, And then when we removed the direct fee for our API, we actually saw adoption increase and adoption increased a lot. And so I, I think there's, you know, and Andy was saying earlier in the beginning, he was talking about the different types of integrations. Some are strategic. Some are companies that are bigger than them, right? Sometimes it's it's smart companies. So I could see, you know, where, where your API goes from being maybe a monetization directly to where you have business development type relationships with some of the some of your uh, API consumers, right? Or somebody you're providing your API to you.
2: Yeah, and, and to build on that field where it has an open API. Um, you you can't you do have to be a customer or someone in the sales cycle but but there's no additional cost for it um, so uh, at the same time you know, really anybody that's interested can can always contact FieldAware to um, to gain access to it you just can't Google it um, and we did that for security reasons um, to, to help minimize you know if you want it you're more than welcome to, to gain access to it but we at least want to know a little bit about you I think as FieldAware grows you know that that might change um, to where we'll just ask you to register and be an automated process but that's how feel the work gone about it for, for our current stage
0: all right well let's wrap up with just one final question and David I'll have you start what advice can you offer to some other product owners and technical executives who are looking to further their API strategy
2: um,
1: probably the most important advice is just to be patient. It takes a it, it takes time. Um, it, it takes a lot of time. Um, try, you know, if, if, if you have nothing today, or you don't even have a product today, build your APIs first and then build your product on top of your APIs. Because I you know, I think you know Creepworks Online is now 13 years old or so, and so, or 14 years old, and the APIs were kind of built off to the side, right? It didn't have APIs originally. And going forward, as new features get built in QuickBooks uh, Online, the APIs are being built first, and then QuickBooks Online is built on those APIs, which just gets the APIs into your external customers' hands much faster. Um, because there's le- less testing, less risk for breakage, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think that's like, if, if you can build on your own APIs, it's probably the the fastest thing that's going to help you scale the best.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. Um, so we did the same thing. We, we built our APIs in after the core product was built, and uh, definitely still playing catch up with it, but I think we've got a pretty good strong standing currently. Um, for, for APIs, I mean, you really got to think of it as, 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 you can't think of it as, as a secondary option. It really needs to be something leading in the development of the product, because that's how the, the world is moving. The world is moving to automation, automated computer integrations, so having an API just as strong as the UI and the UX of the application is critical um, and almost expected as a standard um, when, you know, when people are looking at software. Yeah,
1: I, I think one thing, uh, example of this where people can do is is elevate developers into your company's values, right? Like for example, Intuit for the longest time, I would say 18 years, like the you know the stakeholders were employees, customers, and shareholders. And now there's a fourth stakeholder and that's developers and accountants. So it's partners, right? And so when we make decisions now, we take into account how is this going to impact developers, how is it going to impact accountants, right? And I think bringing developers up to equal level of your customers is really, really important.
0: Well, David and Andy, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I think it's been a really interesting talk show, and um, we're glad to have you. So with that, we'll wrap everything up. Um, Thank you, everyone, for joining. The recording will be available soon at the same registration link that you used to sign up. And um, thank you guys for joining.
1: Awesome. Thanks Thanks so much, Hannah.
2: See everybody later.